this will most likely be the last the last subtopic here in this current study um, but it's not it's not really the last in in uh in operation because it's something that we need before we understand our footsteps and before we understand um, what to do with our hands, uh, this is something that that we need before we actually move into action, and that's uh, kingdom vision. We need a kingdom vision. So this is equipped for the journey, kingdom vision. And at the very beginning, I want to just build a foundation going into this subtopic here. She looked upon what was delightful to look at. Everything around her grew dim to what was before her eyes. The longer she stared, the more she wanted it. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's pleasant to look at. It also has other good qualities about it. Desire is a good thing, right? Didn't God create me with desires? Didn't he create us with desires? So it's a good thing. Thou hast given him his heart's desire and hast not withholden the request of his lips. He wants me to be happy. Which is why it's there to make me happy. That's what's before me is to make me happy. As she stared at these images, they passed through her retina and optic nerve to her brain where dopamine was released. This chemical has the ability to get somebody to make decisions without taking into consideration the consequences. James 1 verses 14 and 15. I'm going to read this to you in the New American Standard Bible. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. In the heat of the moment, my cravings unlock the door. She was unable to remove her eyes and her desires or lust was about to conceive. The serpent persuaded her that she would not die and that her eyes would be open to know things like God does. Here we see the snake trying to satisfy his desires appealing to human desires. As the dopamine traveled through her system and her heart racing from passion and excitement, 
She reached out and touched it first. Maybe she held it there for a moment to see if there was going to be some immediate reaction to her touching the fruit. Isn't that what she told the serpent? We're not even supposed to touch it. And I can see the serpent saying, see, nothing happened. And then she ate it. She then turned around and gave her husband, who had witnessed the entire conception and had also seen that nothing had happened, so he ate it as well. Immediately their eyes were opened. Their innocence altered by their disobedience and the veil of purity was taken away from their eyes. I picture the frantic moment of Adam and Eve scrambling to cover themselves. They were naked before, but perhaps they were clothed in pure light. Psalm 104, verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, who covers, who cover yourself with light as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. They were perfect and naked, but they were not ashamed. It is quite possible that they were covered in light till they sinned. They didn't die when their eyes were open, but something changed in their eyes. They no longer seen their world the same way. And when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they hid themselves. They hadn't died but something inside them had. They were ashamed. And like, like they were, I have felt the sting of shame. I have been ashamed by my actions. And I know that each one of you in here have felt the sting of shame as well because none of us are perfect. And our spirit knows when we do something wrong. And our conscience reveals to us the trouble it causes us. They were ashamed. Because that's what sin does. When we do something we know is not pleasing to God, there is a sting that comes and produces shame in our life. When your lust gives birth to sin, it will bring shame. 
This is why when two people come together and dopamine is released and lust is conceived and sin is born, something within dies every time. The feeling of what have I done? Sometimes as a young person, I remember making a mistake on Saturday night and coming into the house of the Lord on Sunday with a, with a shroud of shame over me and around me because of what I've done. This all happened because I was looking at things I had no business looking at. And even in our world today, there is so much out there to look at. But that doesn't mean that we should. Eve, why are you staring at that tree? Get out of there. I know it's beautiful, but it's a trap. She was deceived, but Adam rebelled. She ate the fruit, but Adam allowed her to come near the tree. He was supposed to be the leader, but he failed. He was with her when she ate the fruit and said nothing. And because he was the leader, God made him responsible. And that's why the scripture tells us through one man, sin entered the world. Three things entered the world because of a stare, through a gaze, because of the information collected through a retina. First John chapter 2 verses 15 and 7 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and these are the three things that entered the world because of a stare, because of a gaze, and that is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These things uh, uh, Eve fulfilled in that moment that she was gazing upon something she had no business even being close to and looking at. It's not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. The same look was found in Lot's eyes as he looked over the Jordan Valley. It was well watered. It was pleasing to his eyes. And he saw the opportunity for a material blessing but he didn't even think about how it might affect his family he wasn't concerned about what he would be causing uh, to take place in his family's life by his decision by that gaze that looked out and it pleased his flesh if lot were standing in front of us today i would ask was it worth it 
Did material gain and prosperity pay for your wife's life? Was it worth fathering the Moabites and Ammon, the descendants who would become enemies and obstacles for Israel? Was it worth it? Nothing good will ever come from that same lustful gaze. As Eve stared at the fruit and Lot stared at the plains of Jordan, we find the same gaze throughout the word of God. David sent Joab to fight Ammon, one of the consequences of Lot's gaze, and found himself in a position having his own gaze. From his rooftop, he looked out and seen Bathsheba while she was bathing, and the image passed through his retina and his optical nerve and into his brain, releasing the dopamine that caused him to touch what he had no business looking at. That gaze cost David, it caused him to commit one of the most heinous acts in his life and it caused something to die inside of him. He, after being confronted by, by Nathan the prophet, God sent him a message and he eventually wrote in Psalm 51, have mercy on me. And then he said, blot out my transgressions. And, and then he said, wash me from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He said, I have sinned against you and done this evil thing. And then he began to say, purge me. With his with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He said, hide thy face from my sin. Oh, because he knew that sin would hide him from God's presence. He said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. He, he said, don't cast me away. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. These words poured out of David's broken spirit because he had that same gaze. I picture Samson busting through the door of his parents' home with excitement. I have seen a woman in Timnah. I want to marry her. Samson's parents, disturbed by the news, why haven't you found someone of like precious faith? Why aren't you looking for someone who wants to please the Lord, Samson? I want her because she pleases me well. Maybe Samson wasn't getting the attention he needed from the women in his community. 
among the believers. And impatience always leads to trouble. God hasn't sent me anyone yet, so I'll take matters into my own hands. I'll start looking elsewhere. Can I tell you there will always be something or someone around that you don't even need to stare at. If people look to the world, if saints of God look to the world for for fellowship and look to the world for relationships, the only thing that they're going to find is the wrong thing. I don't believe in the business flirting to convert because they will most likely convert you because you're already looking in the wrong place. Your tension, your focus is off the kingdom of God and so when that happens, you begin to look in the wrong areas. You're already on the path of conversion so you've got to stay away from it. Samson, why are you so attracted to the women of Philistine? Judges 16 and 1, now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot and there and went into her. Jumping down to verse 4, afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Samson couldn't help himself. He had no self-control. If he had that gaze, he went after whatever it was. Because when you have that gaze and you stay there, there is that chemical in your brain that is released, that brings excitement, that brings arousal, that brings pleasure. And if you stare at something too long, you'll end up touching it. Jumping down to verse 16 through 21. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head for I have been a Nazarite to to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. What the world wants to do is to take somebody uh, that has the strength of God and the power of God because all that's in the world is the, the lust to the flesh, the lust to the eye and the pride of life. It's the, it's the enemy's domain. It's the enemy's kingdom. And when you step into the enemy's kingdom, what the enemy wants to do with the saint of God is rip them from their authority, rip them from their power and turn them into just any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, 
she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up more once. Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. When you step into the enemy's kingdom and somebody is blinded by the enemy, I want you to know that what, who they are is they're working for the enemy. And if you tell them your weaknesses and you tell them your heart, they're going to exploit you. Because they're not on your side. That's why we have to be careful who we let speak into our life. Because not everybody has the words we need to receive and not everybody has what we need to, to maintain our right walk with God, a, a walk that's pleasing to him. I want to please God in my efforts I, because he pulled me out of darkness. I don't want to walk hand in hand with darkness. I want to walk in the light as he has pulled me into and I want to be pure and I want to be holy. Am I there yet? No, but I'm in pursuit of it and I know that he will accomplish it in my life if I let him lead me and let him help me uh, uh, see the warnings and the dangers of, of putting something before my eyes I have no business looking at. Our world is so captivated with pornography Even all the way down to children. That's what happens when you place devices in the hands of children. And don't watch what they do. And don't set up their device to, be, to, to not have uh, uh, places that they can visit. The enemy will do whatever he can to place wickedness before the eyes of God's people. It's all around us everywhere we go. There's wickedness everywhere we go. But that doesn't mean we have to entertain it. So the Lord of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. Samson played around far too long. It was a, his strength was a game to him. He took it for granted. And he didn't even recognize that it had departed him. That the strength, the source of his strength, which was the Lord, had departed him. I don't believe that Samson was a bodybuilder. I don't believe that he was a muscle head or he had all these muscles and you know, a giant seven foot tall. I don't believe that he was, because she asked the question, where's your strength come from? It wasn't his biceps. That's it. 
Hollywood wants to make him out to be some kind of monster. Because they don't understand. They don't understand that, that a saint's strength is from the Lord. And that anytime God uses uh, uh, somebody uh, for, to do the supernatural, it's not within the individual, but it's the God who is working in the individual or through the individual. After lulling him to sleep, She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he woke woke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed him. How many people are sitting on pews across our world that don't even know that God stopped knocking on their door? They can't remember the last time that he actually felt his presence. And that's why when I come in here and I worship God the way that I do, because it's so clear in my mind where he's brought me from and the the destruction and the path of hell that I was headed toward. So I refuse to sit on my praise. I refuse to let one moment, one opportunity go by where I'm not listening with the intent of obedience. And I will worship knowing that God will meet me right here in this moment and touch my life I never want to not feel his presence when I come in here I don't want to be just so distant from him that it doesn't even matter that I'm numb I'm numb to the idea that wait a minute I went to church today and I never felt his presence I went to the house of God today and I didn't even know if he was there So when he shows up like he will today, I take a moment and I tell him, never let me forget God. Never let me forget what it feels like when you step into the room, when you step into the building. Don't let me forget it, God. Don't let me have a stronger idea and a stronger feeling for what hell is like than what heaven is like. I want to uh, be arrested by your presence. Uh, I want to be captivated by your presence, Lord. The first thing that that the Philistines did when they took him was put out his eyes. I know that's a very tough thing to uh, to picture, to imagine, but I almost believe that it was a blessing for Samson. To lose his eyes because he had no control over him. He reached for whatever he looked at, and now he couldn't see him anymore. 
and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in in the prison. They put him to work after they put his eyes out. The enemy not only wants to steal the vision of God's people, he wants to employ them. If I can take their vision, if I can take their sight, if I can put a a veil over their eyes and they can't even see the kingdom of God, then I can get them to work for me. I will turn them into prisoners. I'll turn them into slaves. They'll be my slave. All because... All because he was looking in the wrong direction. So many problems can be avoided in our life if we maintain our focus on what really matters and who matters the most. I tell you, the disappointments will come in our life. We're not exempt from disappointment, we're not exempt from being discouraged. As long as we're in these bodies, we're going to experience pain and suffering. We're going to experience isolation. We're going to experience feelings that are up and down and all over the place. But that's why we've got to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. We've got to keep our eyes focused on the one that never changes. If I'm going to be constant in my life, I've got to focus on who is constant and not what's uh, wishy-washy and up and down and in and out. I keep my eyes focused on Jesus. Don't look anywhere else. Look to Jesus. We need kingdom vision if we're going to do anything in the kingdom. And to have kingdom vision, we've got to keep our eyes on the king. If I want to be busy, and I want my feet to be uh, walking in the paths that God has prepared for me, and I, and I want my hands and my feet to be blessed wherever I go, and I want to make a difference, I want to make an impact in the world around me, if I want to do these great things like like he wants to do because he's called us to do these great things, then I must have a kingdom vision. I've got to have a kingdom perspective and not a worldly perspective. I didn't leave the world to flirt with the world. When he pulled me out, he pulled me out. And there's no looking back. There's no going back. I may struggle. We may all struggle. But the thing is, is we get up and we come to the house of the Lord and we submit ourselves once again, one more time to the will and the purpose of God. And we say, whatever my eyes, uh, 
whatever focus, uh, whatever caught my attention and my focus, God, I, I, I remove it from my eyesight and I'm returning to put my eyes back on you. Can I tell you, can I tell you that there, once you see something, there's no unseeing it. There is no delete option. You get something stuck in your, you, you open up your eyes to something and you see something, it gets lodged in your spirit. There are things that I opened myself up to when I was in the world that I'll never be able to clear. There's no clear all button. And so I'm in a fight for the things that I have exposed myself to in the past. If I'd have stayed in the church, if I'd have stayed in the house of the Lord and kept a submitted, surrendered life to him and avoided and, and was a man that eschewed evil and avoided evil and ran from evil and, and, and turned my head every time there was evil in front of me, then I wouldn't be fighting. I wouldn't fight the images that I have exposed myself to. And I know that when we talk about images, our first, our first place to go to is, is, is pornography. But can I tell you that there is so much more that does just as much damage. Watching people murdered on, on a Hollywood screen are images you can't get out of your head. And if you watch it long enough, guess what? You'll be numb to it. You'll be desensitized to it. It won't, it won't affect you the same way it affected you the first time you've seen it. You know, that feeling that caused your stomach to, to turn, to twist. Because it's not right. It's not something that I, I should be looking at. And we've already talked about our ears and our hearing, so I'm not going to talk about that. But our eyes is what I'm talking about. Our eyes, whatever we put in front of us and open ourselves up to, is something that you have to be willing to wrestle with all your life. God can deliver you. He can deliver you out of the bondage of sin. He can break you free from the, the, the chains of bondage, but you still have been exposed to those images, to that darkness. This is something that you won't hear in a lot of churches. But you'll hear it here because we're not like all the other churches. We want people to live in a way that pleases God. I'm not a dictator. 
I know my wife mentioned it earlier. I'm not going to follow people around and check their social media and look at what they're doing. All I'm here to say is we've got to abide by the word of God. And that should be our goal and our focus. And that's the way I'm going to preach. And that's the way I'm going to live my life. And I'm going to do my best to encourage people to live the life that God is pleased with. Because I want to be saved and I want to see people get there with me. I want to make it to heaven and I want to enter in and hear the words, well done. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. You've kept your focus on me. You've kept your eyes on me. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I've got a place prepared for you where there's not going to be any suffering. There's not going to be any pain. There's not going to be any disappointment. There's no longer going to be any frustration of sin and making a mess of your life. You're going to come in into the joy of the Lord, into the place I prepared for you. And you're going to come in because you've kept your eyes on me. You've kept your eyes on me. We need our, we need our eyes to be focused on him. Let's stand. I wonder if we can just take a moment here. I know it's early, earlier than usual, but if we could take a moment and ask God to help us maintain a right focus, a right perspective, to keep a kingdom vision. I, I want to I want to be able. To see what is good and perfect. And I want to see what's pure. I want to see the good things. There's a lot of good things in the kingdom of God. There's a lot of good things all around us that God created. But there's also the wickedness around us. And I want to maintain. I want to maintain my right focus.